Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Remy Battery, family owned and operated since 1931, serving Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. RemyBattery.com. I'm Dan Small. Jeff Kelm will join me in just a bit, and today we'll talk with Todd Schaller about a possible Sandhill crane hunt in Wisconsin. George Meyer looks at efforts to lobby Congress on behalf of wildlife restoration, and Remy Battery President Mike Miller explains how lead-acid batteries are recycled. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio, so stay with us. It's time now for the Madison Outdoors Report, and you hear this feature every week on WTSO, the Big 1070, and on our podcast on Lakelink, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us once again is McFarland Guide Ron Bearfield. Well, Ron, welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Well, we had some hot weather last week. Uh, did that impact the fish much or the fishing? Well, I, I spent most of my time the last two weeks guiding on the Wisconsin River, and it's uh, a, a lot below Sauk City and, you know, down through that stretch, uh, right around Lake Wisconsin itself. And, uh, yeah, it, as a matter of fact, I thought it was going to slow down, and it actually, the surface bite picked up big time for pike and bass anyway. Um, it's like it's just been going crazy. Oh, good. Uh, buzz good. Bait, you know, buzz baits and uh, anything like that uh, seems to be working. Uh, Lake Wisconsin's been really good. Um, the river just above Lake Wisconsin, you know, has been good. So, and, and as well as Bull Sox City, even uh, the water, like I say, I found water temperature the last week that was in the 80 degree, 82 degrees, and that was on the river, and that's very unusual. <laughs> wow, that is high for the river. Uh, it- doesn't usually get above mid seventies or upper seventies, does it? No, not usually. It uh, usually doesn't get up there like that, but it sure did. Hmm. Wow. And but, uh, but the fish were the fish. It seemed to turn the fish on pretty good. Uh, you know, um, I spoke with Steve Herbeck. You know, he's musky guiding, and he said uh, he even started finding, still finding some muskies up pretty shallow in that hot water. You know, and he said once he got, of course, once it got. 80, he, he backed off fishing them, but but uh, right up until then, he said he was still catching fish up in six feet of water. Wow. On the river or lake? Oh, he he was fishing mainly on the lakes, and uh, he also fished um, Castle Rock Floyd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, so what are you doing to catch those bass? Well, we're just mainly, we're just targeting uh, uh the bank, you know, and, and downfalls, trees with buzz baits and uh, surface baits. And uh, we tried the craws. It didn't seem like they uh, were that interested in plastic baits as much as they were the the, the uh, uh, buzz baits. And, and the, like I say, pop bars worked really well, things like that. Um, they seemed to want more action, even a spinnerbait. They, they jumped on a spinnerbait pretty good as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but we were just targeting uh, brush and... And uh, some cutaway banks that I know about up there that I fish, and uh, and they, the fish were sure there. We got a few walleyes mixed in. We did try some crankbaits and, and did catch a few walleyes behind some of the sandbar breaks. And uh, they seemed to want a little like a flicker shad or something like that. Uh-huh. So I would imagine, uh, the, of course, bass and topwater kind of go hand in hand. Um, but this time of year... You got baby birds falling in the water, uh, little mice. Um, I, I've yeah. seen several broods of wood ducks, and they're about the size of a, of a meal for a bass. So that must be what they think that is, something, something I can eat. I'm guessing so. And there's quite a few small frogs hopping around the bank, too. Like, for instance, Bull Sox City, was a, we had a lot of action down there, and that was uh, uh, the same things, uh, surface baits, you know, buzz baits, uh, that kind of thing. Even a rubber, we even did some rubber frog fishing where we'd throw the frog in by the bank and just kind of softly pop it out, and, and that worked very well. But the pike were very active, too. It was surprising how active they were uh-huh. um, in, this, in this hot weather. You know, they were, we caught a number of pike in the last week out there, up to about 32, 33 inches. We didn't have any real monsters, but a lot of action. Uh huh. Any size to the bass? 
Uh, the biggest bass we had was probably four and a half pounds. Uh, most of them were running between 13 inches and 17 inches. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of action with that size fish. Uh, Smallmouth and largemouth, both we had. And you got largemouth on the river as well or in Lake Wisconsin? Uh, well, we caught them both in both Lake Wisconsin and in the river. So they're, they're, if you know where they're at in the, in the river, you know, a guy can, you can actually catch quite a few. Hmm. Um, in certain areas, it just seems like they like the more brushy areas and also tucked in out of the, the main current more sure. than the smallmouth. Sure, wherever the water slows down or backwaters and that. Right, exactly, exactly. Now, have you uh, been? Pan- yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the panfish uh, uh, on the lakes here in Madison have been a little bit slow. You know, we're getting a few, but um, they've they've gone deeper. Of course, they're not they're not right up on the bank anymore. They're out out off the weed edges, not twenty feet of water. Or so um, it's funny we're catching bluegills down close to the bottom, actually in twenty to thirty feet of water. Hmm. So uh, yeah, we're not catching tons of them. We're it seems like they're they've been a little bit slow this, this for the spring or for this time of year. Uh huh. And any bass action on the on the lakes? Well, there's some. Yes. It's, uh, the, again, they've they've kind of moved up. They were on the banks really good after that post spawn. You know, they were still up on the flat. Uh, most of the fish, for instance, Mendota, most of the fish have moved out. They're out 10 to 15, 20 feet of water, um, and, and they're still pretty aggressive on the plastics. You know, that post spawn uh, period has, has actually been prolonged out there. It seems like a little bit. But um, you pick up we'll pick up walleyes with them mixed in. Um, it's it's just been kind of a mixed bag uh-huh. out there. With live bait, uh, you you can get a few perch now and then on the weed edges. Uh, they'll be there for a little while, uh, but you don't always catch a limit. You know, sometimes you might, but then you got to pick through them because of the size. They're not they're not all great big jumbos. You know, there's a lot of seven inch fish out there, so yeah, got to pick through them. And if you're targeting walleyes, uh, is that more of a night bite still? It's better early in the morning or at night, but uh, early in the morning and later in the evening, just before dark, maybe for an hour or so after dark, seems to be the most effective uh, time to catch them right now. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, unless, you're fishing the, unless you're fishing the river, of course, it's, you're kind of, you know, you're fishing six feet of water below sock there, and, uh, unless you're right up against the dam or something, but... Down the river where we're catching them, uh, we're catching them out of five, six feet of water there, and they'll hit pretty much all day long if you got the right weather. Yeah, yeah. And crankbaits mainly for the walleyes on the river. Mainly crankbaits and a, and a grub, like a twister tail grub. With yep. a, say a, a chartreuse works very well, white works very well on the river. Uh-huh. Okay. Any, uh, any white bass action, or is that pretty much over? It's kind of tailed off there now. It's there about a week ago, or maybe uh, probably about two weeks ago. Actually, the, they were pretty aggressive. Mendota, we were catching a lot. Uh, even on the river, we were we were doing pretty well, and on Lake Wisconsin. But they've slowed down pretty good. Um, one fish that has picked up a whole lot in the last couple weeks is the sheephead. They're going crazy on everything. I mean, we were catching them on spinnerbaits and crankbaits and plastics. It didn't seem to matter. They were eating it all. Huh. <laughs> And, and it, of course, if you drop a night crawler in the hole, you're definitely going to catch some. Yeah, and they put up a good fight. They put up a good fight, and you know something? They're very good to eat if you throw them on ice. If you take those sheephead and take the back strap, you know, the upper above, not not all that belly meat, but the, the back strap, and you fry them with panfish or you fry them with walleye, take care of them. Throw them on ice when you catch them. Don't let them die and lay in the light well all day, you know. Like, and I'll tell you right now, if you cut them into chunks so you can't tell what the play is, those fish, you'll swear you're eating the same fish. Huh. You'll, you'll swear it's walleye or panfish. Yep, yep. I've experienced that. Uh, I've been to a couple, uh, you know, fish fries where uh, guys bring in a whole, whatever, you know, and they uh, fillet right. them and cook them all up, and you can't tell the difference. You cannot, and it's, they are very good. A lot of people go, oh, it's a garbage fish. It's not. Yep. Those fish eat this, those Sheep that are eating the same thing, the walleye and the bass are eating. They're eating crayfish. They're not eating junk like carp, you know, so that meat is just fine, and there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we let you go, are you doing any trout fishing? I did a little bit. Of, uh, one evening, my grandson and I went for a little while, and the weeds are really growing fast. It's getting hard to, hard to use a fly rod around some of the streams. You know, we fished uh, the Sugar River above Verona, and, and uh, 
things are starting to get up uh, pretty high. We did catch a few fish, but it was uh, it was even tough with a spinning rod to get down and put it in the right spot where you needed to with uh, all the grass growing over the bank. I suppose, yeah. All right, well, Ron, we'll let you go, and uh, we'll catch up with you again in a few weeks. That sounds good, Dan. Thank you. You bet. Ron uh, Bearfield, a McFarland guide with the report for uh, the Wisconsin River, Lake Wisconsin, and the Madison Chain. And this was the Madison Outdoors Report. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for a safe Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Lawrence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 miles of wooded UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to the ExploreFlorenceCounty.com lodging, dining, and recreation tabs to plan your trip. If you're ever in a car or motorcycle accident and need help, call Hupe and Abraham, named Best Personal Injury Law Firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. Call the firm Voted Best and Rated Best. Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit hupe.com. And in fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. And all 11 offices in Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa are open for business if you need some legal help. Well, joining me now once again from Wisconsin Rapids is Jeff Kelm. Hey, Jeff, I got a note from Bernie Berenger, and he apparently was the director of the Minnesota Fishing Challenge that you emceed a yep. couple of weeks ago. Yes, he was. Yep. I, I, I sent him a note letting him know that... Uh, we talked about it on the show, and he said they raised four hundred and thirty-five thousand uh, in that um, dollars in in that mm-hmm. at that event. And he said you did a terrific job as MC. So I thought you'd want to hear that. No, I appreciate that. And, and Barry did a great job, and uh, Ber- Ber- Bernie Beringer did a great job. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was fun to be a part of. I I I I hope I can make it work sometime in the future. Yeah, well, good and. Uh, you were at another tournament. You emceed one or you ran one. I don't know how that. Uh, that was a different tournament, the Merck National last weekend, that walleye weekend in Fond du Lac, right? Yeah, and uh, you know what, Dan? I ended up emceeing it anyways. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so traditionally, uh, Keith Cavias and Dale Strohshine actually emcee that event. This year, Mercury wanted it kind of a little more low-key, and they didn't really want an MC. But the way everything set itself up, um, we ended up kind of needing somebody on stage to verify the anglers coming up and verify their weight. Mm-hmm. So I still had to say things out loud. Mm-hmm. Well, through a process of communicating with Mercury and figuring some things out, they said, you know what? Let's let's just MC this thing. If you're up there already, you do this every weekend, go ahead and do it. Mm. So uh, so that's, that's what we did. And... Um, had a great time doing it. Chad and Josh Lidke weighed 23 pounds and 10 ounces, which is, you know, it's, it's a, boy, right now it's a Winnebago weight. You know, Dan, it's a, the system has a lot of fish in it, but has a ton of bait in it, and it's a tough bite. And so 23 pounds, 10 ounces, that's what won the event. Uh, they took home over $45,000 in cash and prizes, including a, a brand new Lund boat with a Mercury outboard and uh, $5,000 cash. Wow, wow. Well, so the so it went well. That that's the important thing. Yeah, two hundred eighty four teams. Everybody was safe. Everybody got off the water. Uh, I think everybody stayed hydrated enough. It was it was hot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And speaking of hot, you spent uh, a day or two in the Dells. Yeah, we spent uh, a, an overnight at Great Wolf Lodge in Wisconsin Dells. This is the second time my parents have invited uh, my wife and I along with the the grandkids here and. Um, it, it was, it was fun. It's, it's neat to see them, uh, get excited for that type of stuff. And, uh, last year we went, and of course it's right in the heart of the pandemic, mm. and there really wasn't a ton of, um, stuff for the kids. There, there's still the slides and stuff were all open, but there wasn't a lot of other stuff outside, some of the dance party story time, that type of thing. This year, a lot of that was open for the kids to be able to do. So they had a lot of fun being able to be a part of all that stuff, uh, once again. Well, good. Good. You know, those folks ought to sponsor our show. You you, you uh, are up there a lot. <laughs> I, 
I need to talk to them. I I know business in the Dells has been down. Um, yeah. Uh, partly because they can't get uh, the foreign students as workers. I talked yeah, to uh, yeah. talked to Tom Deal last week, and because uh, I heard him on public radio, and I said I, I called him and I said, "What's going on up there?" And he says, "You know, the, they can't get their J one visas that allow them to come over and work for the summer, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and so they they don't have a lot of workers, and apparently there aren't that many." American college age kids who are available or who want to do that kind of work, you know. Uh, well, have you seen this changing topics here? A group called End Animal Cruelty is proposing to prohibit all hunting, fishing, and trapping in the state of Oregon. Uh, they've got a draft petition whose current language would pr- prohibit the injuring or killing of all mammals, fish, reptiles, and amphibians unless it occurs in an act of self-defense. Imagine being attacked by frogs and having to kill them or, or you know, some goofy thing like that. Uh, would even impact common animal breeding practices, research, and education. They need 112,000 signatures to get it on the 2022 state ballot. And it's called Initiative Petition 13. Um, the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation is opposing it. That's the group I heard from. Uh, that's how I got wind of it. Uh, why should we care? Well, if it succeeds in Oregon, on the West Coast, it might be marching east. And where would they try it next? Uh, you know, that's kind of a scary proposition. No hunting, no uh, animal breeding, no uh, dog training. Just, you know, I don't know. I guess uh, grow carrots and uh, sit on the porch or something. I'm, you know, <clears throat> I hate to be uh, flippant about it, but uh, I think it's really over the top with that one. If you, if you want more information, go to congressionalsportsman.org. And speaking of animal cruelty, we're trying to prevent raccoon cruelty from killing any chickens this summer. We caught 14 last year and the year before as well, and I've only caught one so far this year. But I've got a big one on trail camera uh, once. He got into the trap, apparently got the marshmallows out, so... I wired a marshmallow to the back of the trap. I want to see him get that out without getting caught. And we hear wildfire danger is still high across much of Wisconsin. If you're going to do any burning, look on the DNR website under keyword burning restrictions before you do it. Well, coming up, a couple heavy hitters this week. We've got Wisconsin Wildlife Federation Executive Director George Meyer, who's going to talk about efforts to get Congress to pass the Restoring America's Wildlife Act. And Wisconsin Waterfowl Association Vice President Todd Schaller explores the possibility of a sandhill crane hunt here in Wisconsin. And we'll kick things off with Mike Miller, President of Remy Battery with some uh, summer battery maintenance advice, and he's going to invite listeners to Remy's grand reopening going on next week, uh, June 21st through 25th, and talk about recycling as well. All that and more coming up on Outdoors Radio. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for a safe Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Lawrence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 miles of wooded UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to the ExploreFlorenceCounty.com lodging, dining, and recreation tabs to plan your trip. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. As Remy Battery enters the 90th anniversary of our company, we want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the years. Thank you for your continued support to our local, family-owned company. We invite you to our newly remodeled Milwaukee retail store on the corner of 43rd Street and Lincoln Avenue. We have batteries from the largest military crafts to the smallest hearing aids, Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or the waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the ruffed grouse and American woodcock is a special priority. 
But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Rough Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Remy Battery is family-owned and operated since 1931, serving Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton, Michigan. RemyBattery.com is their website, and they're, of course, celebrating 90 years this year. And joining us to talk about that celebration and share some information on battery recycling is Remy Battery President Mike Miller. Well, Mike, welcome back, and thanks for joining us again. Hey, Dan, I'm glad to be here, and thanks for inviting me back. You bet. Now, you'll be a regular guest on the show now as we help you folks celebrate 90 years in business. And we'll get to that celebration um, that you've got planned next week uh, in in just a few minutes. But first, uh, I know you wanted to talk about battery recycling. You know, we've touched on that in the past. I think most people probably turn in their dead car battery when they buy a new one, but they don't know what happens to these old batteries. It's quite a process, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, Dan. I mean, it's it's something that uh, is very not well known out there, but uh, lead acid batteries have the highest recycling rate of any post-consumer products out there. Higher than glass, higher than aluminum, higher than uh, paper or cardboard. Approximately uh, 99% of all lead acid batteries that are put into service are sent back for proper recycling. And of of those recycled batteries, the material that they reclaim out of the lead acid batteries uh, is almost 100%. They reclaim, obviously, the lead from the lead acid batteries, and that can be used over and over and over again and uh, primarily put into new lead acid batteries. But in addition to that, they, they reclaim the uh, polypropylene or plastic cases as well as the uh, battery electrolyte, the sulfuric acid in the battery electrolyte. So it is, it is a very, very green process, and it's really held up as a model uh, in the country. But it's, it's just not well promoted, uh, uh, and we're trying to get the word out. The industry is trying to get the word out a little bit more that uh, when you're buying a lead-acid battery, you're, you're really doing something good for the environment. Uh-huh. And if folks are bringing in an old battery uh, and happen to have a few others in the garage, uh, you'll take those as well, right? You know, Dan, like any other commodity out there, prices fluctuate. Obviously, whenever we quote uh, a new battery, uh, we expect to exchange in return. The prices that we quote for new batteries uh, include the exchange. But if you are out there cleaning out your shed or your garage or uh, your basement and you have extra lead-acid batteries uh, sitting around and uh, need to get them out of your way, by all means, bring them in, and uh, we'll pay you for it. Uh, today, we're paying five dollars for a standard automotive-sized battery, but again, like I said, those pro- those prices fluctuate with uh, market prices. Uh-huh. So it's always best to give us it's always best to give us a call before you come in to see what we're paying for additional scrap lead-acid batteries. Okay. Well, um, and folks can learn more about uh, recycling. Uh, I think you've got a link on your website, don't you? Uh- yeah, uh, in an industry group that really, that we belong to that really helps, uh, promote it is, uh, called Battery Council, uh, International, and their website is batterycouncil.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have some really great, uh, information as well as some in- very interesting videos on, uh, how lead acid batteries are reclaimed and recycled. Yeah, I watched one of those videos. It, it, it is fascinating to see how they do it. So that's uh, batterycouncil.org. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, batterycouncil.org. Let's talk about your 90th uh, celebration starting next Monday, the 21st, and running all week through Saturday, right? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, we are celebrating our 90th uh, anniversary. We were founded in 1931 here in Milwaukee. 
by my grandfather, so I'm third generation. Um, my brother and I run the business, and uh, our sons are also working in the business. So we're we're grooming a fourth generation, and uh, obviously looking forward to hopefully hitting that hundred year mark in ten years. But mm-hmm. we figured it's a good time to celebrate ninety years, and uh, we're. We're looking forward to having people come in and see our newly remodeled building at, uh, in Milwaukee uh, for our retail service area. Um, we have a, a number of activities planned throughout the week, and we're handing out some promotional items. Uh, even if you're not coming in uh, to buy a battery, absolutely come in and uh, pick up a uh, promotional item while it lasts. And uh, for folks who don't know where you are, and it's kind of hard to believe that uh, Milwaukee natives wouldn't know where you're located, but what's your address there? We are on the corner of 43rd and Lincoln Avenue. The exact address is 4301 West Lincoln Avenue, Mm -hmm. and we're about a mile south of uh, the ballpark. Yep, yep, that's how I find you. I go down south on 43rd till you get to Lincoln, and you're right there on on the corner on the right. Um, okay, you got uh, a number of things going on, and, and I'm planning to be there on Friday the 25th uh, from noon to 1, and um, I don't know, we'll shake hands, we'll uh, help you pass out some of those promotional items, we'll talk to folks, and anything else you want me to do, I, I won't sing, sing and dance, but <laughs> but I'll be there. Dan, I might bring in some of my spare fishing poles, and we'll uh, see if we can have a little bit of a casting contest in the yeah parking lot. Maybe oh, that might be fun. Yeah, that might be fun. And uh, Father's Day coming up. Um, actually, is it uh, this? It's this Sunday, uh, the the twentieth, right? Yeah. So you got uh, yes. You got some specials for Father's Day as well, don't you? Uh, you know, every day is a special day here at Remy Battery, but if you are a father, feel free to come on in, and uh, we'll give you uh, basically dealer price uh, for your purchases the entire week of uh, uh, our grand reopening next week. Wonderful. All right. Well, Mike, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the uh, newly remodeled uh, digs you have there and spending some time with you folks on Friday the 25th. and. Uh, congratulations on 90 years, and we look forward to talking to you regularly now that um, you're going to be uh, on the show about once a month with us. So thanks so much. Fantastic, Dan. I look forward to it, and uh, look forward to seeing you on Friday, 26. All right. Mike Miller is the president of Remy Battery. They are celebrating 90 years in business. They have been in operation since 1931 with stores in Milwaukee and in the UP in Escanaba and Houghton. Their website is remybattery.com. And as I mentioned, I will be at their Milwaukee location on Friday the 25th from 12 to 1. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. And joining me now is Todd Schaller. He's the vice president of the Wisconsin Waterfowl Association. And if you're a WWA member or if you get their newsletter, you may have seen two recent articles by Todd exploring the possibility of a sandhill crane hunt here in Wisconsin. Yes, that's right, hunting sandhill cranes. So uh, we're going to talk to him about that. Todd, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jen. You bet. Now, sandhills are hunted in... I believe 18 states and four Canadian provinces, but not here in Wisconsin. Uh, is a hunt here a real possibility? Um, well, it is from the Fish and Wildlife Service perspective. So in uh, 2010, um, they authorized um, the ability to hunt sandhill cranes, the eastern population, um, in the Mississippi Flyway, which Wisconsin is part of. So. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the first step to Wisconsin or any state in the flyway um, having a season, and they they allowed that. Um, three states in the flyway, Alabama, Kentucky, 
and Tennessee have gone through their process to actually establish a season and hold a season. And in, in Wisconsin, it takes the legislature and the governor ultimately to um, give the department, the DNR, the authority to manage and hold a, a hunt. And uh-huh. that's kind of where we are in Wisconsin. So it's a little more complicated here than in some other states. It, it is. Um, I think actually Tennessee and Kentucky, their their commissions or boards, similar to our Natural Resource Board, is who authorized their their season. They didn't. It didn't take a you know a legislative action or a governor's action. Uh huh. So. Okay. Well, is there support for a crane hunt here in Wisconsin? Well, from the the hunting community, yes. Um, this has been a question on the spring hearing um, of the Conservation Congress a, a couple different times, and in that process, it uh, was supported. Um, and, and to be candid, most of the people in that room and, and casting that vote are hunters. Um, the Wisconsin Waterfall Association has done some surveys of their membership, again, hunters, and again, they're they're very supportive of, of, of Sandhill Crane. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, now, without getting into a lot of detail, there are several factors that complicate uh, having a sandhill hunt here in Wisconsin, um, and I think you summarized those in uh, part in your first article. Yeah, th- there are. Um, you know, there there's some unique things to Wisconsin um, and the crane population in Wisconsin. And the first thing in so the, uh, when people think about hunting sandhill cranes, they often think about our western states, North Dakota, uh, South Dakota, you know, down to the central flyway. That is um, a different population of sandhill cranes. Um, they, the Fish and Wildlife Service breaks the sandhill crane population down into six different populations. Wisconsin and the Mississippi flyway is the eastern population. Mm-hmm. And the estimate there in, in this flyway is about ninety thousand, um, give or take, but uh, just over just over ninety thousand. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Wisconsin is a is a breeding state for sandhill cranes, um, so that's that's a factor that you know has to be part of the conversation. Um, it is the probably about fifty percent of the. The population in the flyway summer, kind of that breeding summer season in mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, Wisconsin is a um, a staging area for um, their migration, so a pre-migration staging area. So those three things in and of itself um, are things that everybody needs to be aware of and eyes eye open. Mm-hmm. And and the the International Crane Foundation is based in Wisconsin. Right. And, right. You know that that's something everybody talks about as part of the conversation and, and it is. And I think from my perspective, I think hunters are about conservation. The International Crane Foundation is about conservation. So I think we just gotta continue to talk about what's important to both organizations. Okay. Well, in your second article, you talk about the history and the biology of sandhill cranes. Can you kind of summarize for us uh, what we know about sandhills and, you know, how long they've been around and their numbers and so on? Sure, sure. They're, they're, they're an ancient species. They've been around for there's, there's fossil records, you know, back 2.5 million years. So that tells us the they're a very resilient um, species. Um, however, like uh, sad to say, a lot of species, particularly waterfall species or wetland species, um, a combination of uh, unregulated hunting and you know uh, poor wetland control and management in the early 1900s. Um, you know their population. Uh, was was significantly impacted and uh, was um, uh, you know down to the point where there was some conversation and Elder Leopold wrote about it in one of his books that they were thinking the sandhill crane would be, could become extinct. Uh-huh. Um, thankfully, um, that didn't happen, and through the Migratory Bird Act of uh, 1910, through you know. Controlled hunting or no hunting, um, 
the flyway in the continent, um, doing a better job of managing wetlands and taking better care of our wetlands, um, they've slowly recovered over time to the point where, again, the estimates for the eastern population of sandhill cranes is about just over 90,000 um, in the in the flyway and, and beyond, um, which is, is, is a great comeback. And I think hunters were a part of that comeback, I think, because of what hunting dollars do for wetland protection. Um, but obviously they weren't the only ones involved in that return of the, the sandhill crane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you and I were both... Uh uh around when the dove hunt got approved back uh almost 20 years ago now i think um there was a big um a lot of opposition to it a lot of support for it and uh after the first year or two or three uh, all that um conflict just kind of went away people don't pay much attention to it They're, they are hunted um, by a small number of people uh, compared to, say, uh, deer or turkeys. Um, do you think something similar would happen here in Wisconsin uh, with the sandhills? I, I, I think it's mm-hmm. – I, I, I do. I, I think anytime you introduce a new species into the hunting opportunity, um, there's obviously people who are strongly supportive of that, and there are people who are probably strongly opposed to that. And – you, you kind of have that flurry, and I, I said it earlier, you know, hunters as a community are conservationists. Mm-hmm. They're about, you know, protecting the species, putting their money uh, where their mouth is, and, you know, providing habitat for species. And I, I think I think your analogy of sandhill cranes and, and morning doves is similar in, in a lot of ways as far as the, the emotion that can come with it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, where can we get more information on the on Sandhills or on the potential for a season? There really is no proposal yet, is there? No, and that's one thing that's important. The Wisconsin Waterfowl Association, you know, we have not introduced anything. We have not put together any type of legislative package. Really what we're doing in, in the next, in July and August, the Wisconsin Waterfall Association electronic newsletter, we're going to have two more articles to talk about sandhill cranes. Um, one of them is going to touch on um, some of the challenges and, and opportunities with the sandhill crane. I've, I've hit on a couple of them in the last couple of newsletters. And the last one is going to really talk about kind of the community and partnerships that would that need to be uh, fostered and grown in order to talk uh, more about a sandhill crane hunt in Wisconsin. So, you know, our association is is working to educate people about the topic, and I think that's a, a key first step. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, uh, will you come back and talk to us again after those uh, third and fourth articles are published and uh, we, can get, we can learn more about this? Absolutely. Um, yes, I would be glad to come back and, and talk a little bit more and, and uh, about what those articles are kind of laying out um, from a, from a, the what Wisconsin Waterfall Association's perspective of a sandhill crane hunt in Wisconsin. All right. Well, thanks so much, Todd. Thank you. Todd Schaller is the vice president of Wisconsin Waterfowl Association. Uh, you can click on their website to subscribe to their newsletter. You can learn more about Sandhill Cranes and the possibility of a hunt. And he'll come back and talk to us uh, later this summer when those other articles are published. I'm Dan Small. You're listening to Outdoors Radio. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife. 
including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Rough Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic, LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms, makes, and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798 or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Joining us now is a familiar voice to our listeners, George Meyer. He's the outgoing executive director of the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, and prior to working with the Federation, he was DNR secretary for eight years. So he's been uh, very active in conservation issues here in Wisconsin, and he continues doing that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, well, George, thanks for joining us again. Thank you for having me, Dan. Well, I imagine you're looking forward to retirement coming up real soon. I do. In uh, three weeks, I will be retired. I tried... I failed my retirement twice, but this time I think it's gonna gonna stick. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, retirement's easy. I've done it three times. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, and you're still hard at work with the federation, in particular now, uh, lobbying Congress to get them to pass the Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which people are calling RAWA for short. HR two seven seven three is the bill number. And apparently, a companion bill will soon be forthcoming in the Senate. To uh, to tell our listeners uh, to, to kind of bring them up to speed, what is uh, the Recovering America's Wildlife Act all about? Well, this is an important bill for uh, conservation of wildlife throughout the country. Um, many people know that there's over two twelve thousand fish and wildlife species across uh, America. Uh, that are in trouble. Their populations are declining or so low they're at risk of becoming threatened or endangered. Mm-hmm. They're not on the list yet, but they're really declining. And 400 of those species uh, are in the state of Wisconsin. Uh-huh. So this bill would provide funding nationally and obviously uh, down through the, to us in Wisconsin to uh, manage those species by have, mainly through habit re- restoring habitat for these species. Uh, it's critical from the obvious ecological standpoint. Um, uh, in, in Wisconsin, the, uh, some of the species, many of them, are songbirds. And I think many of your uh, listeners know from their personal experience, many of the songbirds we uh, saw that our youth are, are declining substantially. Uh, there are some mammal species that are. Uh, a lot of the aquatic species, and they may be snails or other uh, smaller species or actually some fish species too, uh, that are important for the food chain for some of the uh, uh, major uh, fish like walleye and, and other species that we're more familiar with. Uh, so it is really critical to protect them, not just from an ecological standpoint, though, Dan, from an economic standpoint. Uh, obviously, the, the tourism has benefited by having songbirds in the state. Uh, Wisconsin is the second most visited state for bird watching. Florida's first, but Wisconsin is Second, we have over 400,000 individuals come into the state every year just to bird watch. I had no idea. That's that's, that's remarkable. I didn't know that. It really is. It's because of our uh, the Great Lakes and the Mississippi River, and then our our northern lake areas. Um, 
The bill is important for another reason. If these species continue to decline, they'll be placed on the endangered species list, which has, as we know, major ramifications on property owners in the state because there's often habitat uh, regulations, uh, uh, protection regulations uh, put on by the federal government uh, to restore the species. Uh-huh. So we really need uh, this passed on a national basis. Okay. Well, uh, doesn't the money raised through the Pittman-Robertson and Dingle-Johnson excise taxes that sportsmen pay already, doesn't that support state wildlife agencies? It does. And uh, every uh, firearm ammunition you buy, uh, 10%, there's a 10% excise tax mm-hmm. that can be used... Uh, but that can only be used on game species. Oh, okay. Uh, deer and you know other hunted species, because when the law was created many years ago, it uh, it was a tax basically on hunters came forward and said, "Please tax us uh, to, to recover these species or restore these species." Mm-hmm. Well, that money can't be. It's used for hunter education, safety, that type of thing, uh, recruitment of new sports. You know, hunters, um, and so forth. But uh, that money cannot be used for non-game species under federal law because of the funding source or where it came from. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've already touched on Wisconsin's importance um, in terms of uh, wildlife and habitat and, and visitors, but um, this uh, Rawa will really help us here in Wisconsin as well? It would be a tremendous boost uh, for in Wisconsin. It would annually bring between 17 and 18 million dollars into the state for uh, habitat management for various species. Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, for, for instance, and some of it would go to the Department of Natural Resources to restore these species. On their habitat, but it'll also be cost shared with uh, local groups uh, that may be doing habitat work. Uh, think of the prairie enthusiasts. Sure. Um, uh, and obviously, uh, conservation uh, sportsmen's clubs will do this too, mm-hmm. because we know as a sportsman, uh, you restore habitat for one species, there are other species that. Uh, uh, use that land and land too that are game species. Uh-huh. Um, nature Conservancy and uh, land trusts throughout the state would be eligible uh, for this uh, land or for these grants. So it'll be a broad base uh, will be benefited in their conservation work in the state. Uh-huh. Now um, you have uh, the Federation has drafted a letter you're sending to congressmen asking them to co-sponsor this bill uh, with a lot of groups and businesses signing it and full disclosure I signed it as well, Dan Small Outdoors um, how many groups and, and what kind of diversity do you have there supporting this letter? Well, there are 31 groups that have uh, joined our coalition uh, to pass it you know, groups that people would recognize, uh, such as uh, Trout Unlimited, Ducks Unlimited, Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, Wisconsin Conservation Congress. And as you indicated, there are several businesses that uh, are strong supporters of conservation have signed on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yourself uh, uh, and other uh, several businesses that, in fact, are uh, related to the conservation uh, in the state of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. uh, the in both uh, uh, fish-related and uh, hunting-related species, and then you have land trust. All the land trust uh, uh, trust uh, have signed on to the state through Gathering Waters. Uh, the Nature Conservancy has signed on. Uh, the Friends of Pleasant Branch. Uh, uh, Crook and Reserve here uh, in Ma- the Madison area signed on. Mm-hmm. So there are uh, many uh, positive uh, 
uh, in, in much positive involvement in this. Um, the uh, Department of Natural Resources, we know, is strongly uh, supportive. The governor has joined with other governors uh, in a bipartisan letter supporting this. So uh, this isn't a partisan political issue. It's uh, because everybody, for one reason, whether it's to uh, protect private property from more regulation or for the, just the importance of ecological importance, uh, there's broad support for this type of bill. Uh-huh. Well, what can individual listeners do to help? Is there anything we can do? Well, the major thing they can do is to contact their uh, congressman in their part of the state and encourage them to come on, um, sign on to the bill. And the Senate bill is coming out in a couple weeks, so uh, they could, you know, beat the line and uh, contact uh, uh, Senators Johnson and Baldwin uh, to support the bill. Mm-hmm. And that would be the main thing they could do. They could write a letter to the editor expressing uh, uh, their um, support for additional funding for these declining species at the pass uh, the bill H.R. 2773 and that would be very helpful. Uh huh. Okay. Well, where can people get more information? Would it be on the uh, Wisconsin Wildlife Federation site? Well, at this time uh, it's not on our site. The coalition is talking about putting together uh, a website, but they, it, it, there's a lot of this online already. Uh, go to the Department of Natural Resources uh, website. They have extensive information on it. Okay. And um, so that would probably, at the current time, that's probably the best source. Okay, good. Well, before we let you go, uh, we got about a minute. Uh, there were a couple significant actions by the state legislature's Joint Finance Committee last week. Can you sum those up? Very briefly, uh, the Joint Finance Committee uh, passed a, an extension of the important Knowles-Nelson Stewardship Fund, which is used for conservation land acquisition, uh, by at the state level, but also mainly in, now at the local level through municipalities and land trusts. They extended it uh, for uh, four years this time rather than two, which is good. Uh, they made a slight cut in it from $33 million to $32 million a year, but that it's still great for conservation. The other thing the uh, Joint Finance Committee did is um, adopt an increase in the duck stamp, which is a, uh, a stamp where uh, the funds uh, are used for habitat for waterfowl and migratory birds. Um, and uh, it hadn't been increased since 1986. And that money goes to wetlands restoration in the state, which is beneficial for many purposes, flood protection, water quality, and obviously the benefits to wildlife. Yep, absolutely. I, I know a lot of groups supported that and have been uh, saying, hey, it's about time we raise that. I think it's been $7. It's uh, been very reasonable, and uh, it's not going up that much. So, well, George, we got to let you go, but thank you so much and uh, for that report. And enjoy your upcoming retirement. I will, Dan. Thank you so much. You bet. George Meyer is the outgoing executive director of the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation. And as he mentioned, you can learn more about what we've been talking about by going to the DNR website, dnr.wi.gov, and type in Recovering America's Wildlife Act. You'll find information there. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence County, Wisconsin. 
Are you looking for a safe Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land, 160 miles of wooded UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to the ExploreFlorenceCounty.com lodging, dining, and recreation tabs to plan your trip. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Outdoors Radio is brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. And Cedar Lake Sales is open for business. You can check out their website or Facebook page for updates and details. They've got your newer used boat in stock. You can stop in or visit them online. We're also brought to you by uh, Remy Battery, family-owned and operated since 1931, serving Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. Uh, you can get them at remybattery.com. And if you're ever in a car or motorcycle accident and need legal help, call Hupe and Abraham, named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients, and in fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. So call the firm Voted Best and Rated Best, Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit Hupe.com. And by the way, all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham are open for business if you need their their help. So give them a call. If you missed an episode of Outdoor Wisconsin, you can watch any show from the past several years at milwaukeepbs.org. And Deer Hunt Wisconsin is also on that um, website. Or you can visit the Deer Hunt Wisconsin YouTube channel if you want to watch it. And you can listen to this show or past radio shows online all the time at lake-link.com. Go to their outdoor radio page, log on, and you can download this show and past shows. You can follow Dan and I on social media throughout the week at Dan Small Outdoors or Hardwater Jeff. And if you happen to be listening to us on Saturday, June 19th, as most folks are, or a day or two earlier if you uh, get our podcast, and you're within reasonable driving distance of Park Falls, and I'll let you define reasonable, stop in at St. Croix Rods anytime between 7 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. for their Customer Appreciation Day. Uh, They've got seminars, specials on rods and products, and then you can enjoy live music with Joe Booker and the Top Raiders at 4.30, and Nashville recording artist Travis Denning at 6 p.m. And you can participate in most of the day's events virtually. Just visit com. And don't forget Remy Battery's week-long 90th anniversary celebration next week, June 21st through the 26th, at their Milwaukee location, 43rd and Lincoln. And I'll be there from noon to 1 on Friday the 25th, and we're going to have a little casting contest and some product giveaways. Details on Facebook, on my Facebook page, or at Remy battery on facebook as well you know that's uh, going to be my first appearance in over a year <laughs> uh, going to be out talking to the folks which you'll feel good for sure i know you do that you know at your uh tournaments but i haven't had an opportunity to do that theme music is by warren nelson you can hear more of his tunes at warrennelson.com and gosh it's father's day weekend and the summer solstice the longest day of the year I'm okay with the days getting a little shorter. My roosters won't crow as early. Well, Jeff, happy Father's Day to you. And folks, get outside this weekend, but stay cool if you can. And join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. You've been listening to Outdoors Radio, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Find more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Brought to you by LakeLink your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. In the blue north wind, I'll be trolling home to you. 
brisket's a little chilly on the gunnel. When my lazy Ike is just too lazy to lure. When the worms go dry in the coffee can, honey, I'll be true. 